Good morning and welcome to Heritage Apostolic Tabernacle, the place of new beginnings. I pray that you and your family are safe and healthy. This week I do want to remind you that we are going to do virtual services on Wednesday night. We have a great uh, online service for our children for Kids Quest. Brother James is going to have that ready to go for us. We're excited about that. And all of our adults will be able to log in and Bishop Purdue will be ministering this Wednesday. So please make sure you log in Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. We're going to have a great service for both our children and our adults. I'm excited to be coming to you this morning to minister the word of the Lord. Please make sure you gather your families together and let's have church today. I'm going to start out today in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Again, that's Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. The Bible says this, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. And when Herod, but Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Verse 6, and when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Verse 7, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wits not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Verse 10, When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angels departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. The focus verse this morning I want to go back to and read one more time was Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Peter's in prison. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. My title this morning is this, The Prayer of a Unified Body. The Prayer of a Unified Body. I believe right now we are living in the greatest days of the church, with the greatest opportunities to be the church that God intended us to be. I also believe that it's important for every person at the sound of my voice this morning to realize that the church is made up of more than just a pastor, a pastoral team, department heads and leadership, but the church is made up of every single member that attends. I know these are times that we can feel insignificant, moments where we feel like we just don't matter. Sometimes when pastor calls for prayer, we think, man, my prayer just doesn't matter. I'm not going to worry about it. Or pastor calls for fasting and for ourselves, we think, man, my fasting doesn't matter. Pastor calls to worship, and we look at ourselves and think, man, my worship just doesn't matter. It's easy for us to feel like this, that moment that we just don't matter. But I've come this morning to shed some light on this situation. This feeling that you may feel when it happens like this is just a lie from the enemy. 
because he understands and realizes how powerful the church can be when everybody, every member of the church, is with one mind and one accord. The beginning of the church started not with the prayer meeting of the pastor, the bishop, and the leadership, but the first church was birthed when all the members came together and everyone prayed with one mind and one accord. Acts chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, they're gathering together. And when they were come in, they went up into the upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelot, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Look at what it says in verse 14. With the women, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of his disciples and said, and the number of names together were about 120. Notice, Peter, when he gets ready to minister and begins to go before the people, there were some names that you noticed, but there were some also people that you never heard of. There were women and brethren together with one mind and one accord in the upper room. And that's how the church began. When all the members said, we got to come together and we have to have a prayer meeting. Notice what happens. The effects of a church, there's cause and effects. When a, the effects of a church coming together in prayer is shown here in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Everybody. One mind, one accord, in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. Notice, they were with one mind and one accord before the suddenly took place. I'm calling today for everybody to stand up and understand that your prayer matters. The prayer of the people of this church matters. Every prayer, everyone there, all 120 people, leaders, women, and brethren, all together praying. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And we know if we keep reading that everybody in that house had a special touch that day. Why? Because everybody came together. Everybody's prayer. There was no big I and little you. There was everybody saying, my prayer counts in this moment. If we want to have a revival, if we want to experience what God just said we're going to experience, then we all have to be on the same page. We need to understand this morning that we are many members, but one body. And the body is the strongest when we come together in a unified prayer. Right now, we may be all spread out. But even in our homes, in our living rooms, wherever you're at right now watching this, we can still agree with our brothers and our sisters in this moment. In my opening text, Peter was in a prison cell, getting ready to enter into a certain death by King Herod. He already watched his buddies die. He knew that it was going to happen. But what I love was on the other side of town, the church refused for this to be Peter's final moment. They said, listen, we know what happened on the day of Pentecost when we all came together with one mind and one accord and we prayed, God showed up. They said, we've experienced this before. So we're going to get together right now because we understand with God, distance means nothing. Peter may be on the other side of the town, guarded by all these soldiers in the middle of a prison. But that does not matter because over here, we're going to get together and we're going to pray. Understand, when God's people come together, and they assemble together. It does not matter how far away the need is. 
when that prayer goes forth, God can still stretch that far. There are people right now in our assembly that are bound by sickness, and we cannot be beside them right now. It makes us feel hopeless. But I'm here to remind you this morning that even though we cannot physically touch them with our hands, we can reach out to them spiritually. Our spiritual aspect begin to reach out to them, and we can be beside them right there where they're at, whether they're in their homes or a hospital bed. We can reach up to heaven, and when we begin to reach up to heaven, our reach goes further than it can ever go before. Why? Because God understands when the people come together and pray, it moves Him in such a way that He wants to answer those prayers. Your prayer this morning is valuable. Your prayer this morning is needed. And your prayer this morning is what's going to get us through these situations. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, the Bible says this, For there are two or three gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. Jesus did not say they have to touch. Jesus did not say they had to be in a church building. Jesus did not say they had to be in an upper room together. But Jesus said when they gather together and agree with one thing, with one mind and one accord, and their minds are in tune and focus. Going right now, I'm agreeing with some people that you're in your living room right now across town. But I believe the presence of God is right in the midst of both of us. The presence of God is here where I'm at, and when you're agreeing with me in your living room, the presence of God is there in your living room. And what I love most about this is there's people that need prayer. And not only is the presence of God here and with you in your living room, but it can be in their living room that needs a touch. It can be in their hospital room that needs a touch. Your prayer allows the presence of God to begin to move and multiply. When God's church comes together and prays, I believe when we begin to pray that God moves in a great and powerful way. God is not confined to a small space like we think. But His Word stretches as far as the east is from the west and the north is from the south. It goes out wherever it's needed in that moment. And we've experienced that in times. We've known missionaries that needed prayer. And here in America, we're praying for missionaries that are clear across the world. And God shows up. Why? Because God's presence is not confined to a church building. But it begins to reach out when God's people begin to pray. Just because the nameless were not named in those scriptures that we talked about before does not mean their prayer was any less significant. We read about it. We saw that there were great men of God at the day of Pentecost. We saw that there were great men and women that were praying for Peter in that house that day. But what we have to understand is there were some people that were not named. And it's alright when you're nameless. It's alright if you don't have the title. We still need the prayer. And we still need to gather together when you lift something heavy, they tell you that you just cannot lift it with your back or your arms alone. But you must activate every part of your body. When you learn to activate every part of the body when you pick up something heavy, all of a sudden something that seemed impossible to pick up with just your arms is easy to pick up with your entire body. I said that to say this. There are moments and times that our pastor cannot lift the weight of a city. Our elders cannot lift the weight of those that are sick by themselves. But something happens when the church begins to back the pastor in prayer for the city. And something takes place when the church begins to back the elders for those that are sick in their body. All of a sudden, what seemed like an impossible prayer to lift by one man in the pastor or by a couple men in the elder, elders, those things begin to become easier to lift up because prayer 
causes strength to take place. In Jesus' presence in the midst of two or three, imagine how much greater His presence goes out and how much greater His presence reaches when a hundred or a hundred and fifty begin to pray. We have no idea and we probably can't comprehend the power and the presence and the anointing that's sent from heaven when all of God's children begin to pray on one topic or one subject. Don't stand back and assume your prayer isn't powerful. Don't assume it's not needed. Now more than ever before, we need a church that's working together. We have to have a church working together in this day and hour. This is the greatest time of the church. But I believe it's going to be the greatest time of the church because we're going to be unified together. And our unity is going to bring us the greatest revival we've ever experienced. Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 through 3. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about and behold there were very many in the open valley and though they were very dry. And he said unto me, the Lord spoke unto Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. We've heard this story before and we've heard multiple messages in Sunday school classrooms and revival services and in lessons out here with our adults. We've, we've read and heard this multiple times. But for us to really appreciate what's taking place right in front of Ezekiel's eyes, we have to know what took place in chapter 36 first. In the previous chapter, Ezekiel proclaims a blessing to all of Israel that will produce fruit even though they are in the middle of desolation. They will re-inhabit their towns and see their ruins rebuilt even though they just watched the Babylonians laid waste to everything that they held dear. They took, the Babylonians took several of their people captive, such as Daniel and his friends, laid ruins to their cities and destroyed their temples. Restoration seemed impossible in this moment. Under the foot of the most powerful empire at the time, and with the poorest of the poor living in the city, they could see no possible renewal of the Israel nation. Once a nation that people feared, any time they said, hey, hey, Israel is coming after us, that people literally shook in fear. We read several times in the Old Testament where people looked out and they saw the Israelites coming and they feared or they even took care of themselves. Uh, several verses where they, they killed themselves because they were so afraid to battle the people of God. Now the people of God are stretched out among a whole nation, not close to one another. Afraid and lonely. I, I can only imagine the fear that set upon these people knowing that they've watched their friends be destroyed, taken captive. And now maybe they're in the same spot. It's important for us to realize that God's promises are still yea and amen. That God is still going to have a church and God's still going to accomplish what He sent out to accomplish. He said that in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out My Spirit upon all flesh. There's going to be a great outpouring, a great revival. Don't think for one moment that we're living in the final stage and this is how the church is going to go out. No, 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 no. This is setting the church up for the greatest revival that we're ever going to experience in our cities and in our homes and in this nation. A revival that we just cannot comprehend in this moment. How could the promises that Ezekiel just spoke about ever come to pass in this moment? I know there's moments right now that we're sitting and we're looking around saying, how are we ever going to have a revival service again? 
How are we ever going to have camp service again? How are we ever going to get together and have a block party again? How are we ever going to get together and have another youth rally? Can I tell you, God's taking us up to the valley of dry bones just like He took Ezekiel. And it says, look, everything is scattered abroad. Once a great army, once a great nation, looks like we're scattered abroad, away from everybody. And God challenges Ezekiel and says, look upon this great nation, can it live again? Come on, my God, God is challenging us right now. Can we have a great revival again? Can we have a great outpouring again? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes, it's going to happen. Notice Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 3, verse 8. They were spread out. Ezekiel looks to the Lord after he says, Can these bones live? And he answered, O Lord, God, thou knowest. God, you know if this can take place. You know if this can happen. Again, he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Listen, what looked like it was dry and could not hear. He says, You need to hear the voice of the Lord. There's some prodigal sons and daughters right now at the sound of my voice that you feel like you've not been able to hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is coming out and saying you may feel dry, but there's going to become a revival and there's going to become a renewing. Listen, listen. Verse number five, thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter unto you and you shall live. Verse six, and I will lay sinews upon you and I will bring upon you flesh and cover you with skin, and, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. As I had prophesied, there was a noise. There was a noise. As the man of God began to speak, there was a noise. Notice something happens when we begin to speak. And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above. Notice, the word of God went forth, and what was prophesied from the man of God began to take place. Understand, God took Ezekiel to a place knowing what could happen if Ezekiel had a little faith to speak something out. If Ezekiel had enough faith to speak this out, God knew what could happen. God performed the miracle, but Ezekiel had to put the miracle into motion. If Ezekiel would have never spoken those words, would that valley of dry bones ever become a great army? Our words that we speak put into motion the miracle or the doubt that needs to take place. And the way that we can put a miracle into motion is through prayer and through our faith. And prayer and faith go hand in hand. I'm here to let you know that we need to start putting some miracles into motion through our prayer lights. The church needs to come together and say, I will not accept for Peter to die in a prison. I will not accept for this to be our final days. But we're coming together and we're going to pray like we never prayed before. And we're going to worship like we never worshiped before. And we're going to put some things in motion when that takes place. Ezekiel begins to speak and to prophesy. And over what appears to be death, there was a great shaking and a great awakening. And all of a sudden, the body begins to tremble and begins to come together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, look at this. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also in Christ... 
pastor told you this morning when, when he got on to the members page, and he was beginning to speak and minister. He said that, that I had called him up and let him know that God had just begun to wake me up. And it was true. I did not know if I was going to minister today or not. Friday night, the Lord kept waking me up and I kept having to grab uh, my notes and begin to take notes. And, the God, and God began to, to deal with me on this scripture and almost let me see some things with this scripture. This was one of the last things that he began to deal with me that evening. The body of the church right now has been spread out. And as we stay away from each other, we begin to dry out. Listen, there are some people right now, because they have not been in close contact with the body like normal, they begin to feel like they're drying out spiritually. And it begins to feel like we're losing what we have. But then God showed me prayer that was taking place. And as prayer began to come, and it started from the top and went down, as the prayer began to come and more people began to join, that all of a sudden the members, remember, the body, it's one body, but many members, the arm, the leg, the toe, the fingers, whatever you are, we're, we're part of the big body. All of a sudden, every part of the body, the pinkies, the fingers, the toes, the legs, the head, the shoulders, begin to shake and come together and begin to unite together. Listen, there is a moment in time that God is reaching for His church, every member, every part of His church, to come together in prayer. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says this, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. The first three words tells you everything that you need to know about in that Scripture. If my people. He did not say my pastor, my bishop, my leaders, or my directors. But He said, if my people that I have called. If you're listening to this this morning, you are the people that God is referring to. You were called up this morning to wake up and to click this on. God is calling you and I and everybody else around today to come together. Listen, we'll come together. If my people, everybody, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We don't need a revival at the church in this moment. But what we need is a prayer revival in our homes. We need members right now to stand up and say, my house will be a house of prayer. And I need the next member to stand up and say, you know what? During this time we may not be able to gather together, but my house is going to turn into a house of prayer. Then all of a sudden that begins to spread out. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that becomes contagious. And all of a sudden, the presence of God just isn't here on Sunday. But now the presence of God is throughout the entire city of Muncie. You want to know how you have revival? You have to have the Spirit of God everywhere. Not just in one local place on Sunday. Could it be that God has us in our communities right now and in our neighborhoods so that when we begin to pray, all of a sudden, the Sunday powerful, anointing presence of God is not just here at 3120 South Walnut Street, but now it's in the middle of your neighborhood. Come on. The presence of God can be in your house and hover over your neighbor's house right now. 
Because that's how powerful it is. And that neighbor you've been working on, that family you've been working on, now all of a sudden the presence of God is even closer to them. We've got to make our house a house of prayer. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 is, Any among you afflicted, let him pray. Is any merry, let him sing songs. Is any sick among you, let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Verse 16, pay special attention to this. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Imagine the power of not one man or one righteous woman, but imagine the power and what can be taken back if a host of people begin to pray. If men and women begin to pray in their homes, if children and young people begin to pray in their home, the Bible tells us that one person can put a thousand enemies to flight and two can put 10,000 enemies to flight. Imagine what would happen when the entire church body prays. We could put to fight anything, anything that comes against us, any sickness, any ailment, if the whole church prays, nothing could stand in our way. The prayer of God does not work through addition, but it works through multiplication. What you can do alone can be multiplied when we connect with one, one another. I'm calling for every church, every member of this great body, of this great church to begin to pray like you've never prayed before. We have people in our church right now that are laying in hospital beds, that they're alone and they need the church to come together and to pray. I need some families who are willing today to shut down some electronics, put some things away and grab a hold of the horns of the altar and pray. There is a Peter in prison right now that's depending on your prayer. We can't sit by idle right now and wait for the next time we can come together. We can't wait five days. We can't wait five months. We can't wait for the next in-person service. But right now, where you're sitting, we need a prayer revival in our homes. Pastor mentioned earlier, Sister Jennifer right now, been on my heart praying for her. Sister Alyssa, both right now, hospital beds. That can't come to church or can't even get here. But can I tell you, we could change the narrative right now as a church if we agree together with one mind and one accord on this Sunday and said, God, we're not going to accept the report of the doctors. We're not going to accept the statistics of what happens. But we're going to pray. Don't feel like your prayer is insignificant, but realize that your prayer will multiply my prayer. And your prayer will multiply pastor's prayer. And it will multiply bishop's prayer. And it will multiply the next person's prayer. Right now, we could have a multiplication take place in our prayers that would see people get up out of their beds, that are in hospital beds, and be healed. I'm crazy enough to believe that it can happen right now. As I'm getting ready to close today, I want to leave you with this thought. I previously I read 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It's a very familiar verse and we read it a lot. But I want to leave you with the scripture that set all this in motion. 
Solomon had the distinct honor to build the tabernacle. And in chapter 6, after everything is done, he begins to dedicate the tabernacle with prayer. 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 40 through 42 are his final words that he says as he dedicates the tabernacle. It says, Now, my God, let I beseech thee that thy eyes be open and let thy ears be intent unto the prayer that is made into this house. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord God, in thy resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn not away the face of thy anointed. Remember the mercies of David, thy servant. He says, listen, I'm getting ready to anoint this house, this, this place. Solomon understood how significant this place was going to be. He knew how significant the tabernacle was. It was just a tent. Now it's a place that's going to stay. And he looked at it and he, and he began to tell God, he says, I want to make sure that you're welcome in this place. I want you to sit in the seat in this house where you belong. That's where I want you to sit. I've made a place for you to dwell. Listen, we're making a place for God to dwell right now in each and every one of us. He says, let your eyes and your ears be attentive to the prayer that takes place. I'm not just going through the motions. I'm not just going to say pretty words and quote different things. But God, when I pray, I want your ears and your eyes to be attentive to this place right now. The response from heaven after Solomon dedicates the tabernacle is beautiful. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Why? Because Solomon put some things into motion that says, I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to be like everybody else has been. But God, I want to take this honor. And I want to make sure that every time I pray, I touch heaven. You have that power today. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. It doesn't matter if you've walked away from God or if you've never had a relationship with Him. But right now, your prayers can put some things into motion to allow heaven to open up and to do some things in your life you never thought could happen. Right now, in this church, in this day and hour, we need a mighty move of God. And it will all start with the prayers of the people. Take time today to pray. Take time to gather your family together. Pray. There's some needs that need to, that need to that be prayed over and, and that need to be adjusted and taken care of by God. I can't wait to be in God's presence with you again. But know today... That as you begin to pray and as I begin to pray, that same presence that I feel where I'm at is going to be where you're at. And even though we're not in the same sanctuary, we can still experience the same power and the same move of God. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope your family stays safe. Until next time, we love you. God bless.